And we are so excited to announce something brand new here at Bayshore Community Church. Available now on any of the app stores, either Apple or Android or even Amazon, is the exciting Bayshore Church app for your mobile device. Now this app is chock full of content for you to use to engage with Bayshore. There's a sermon archive where you can browse past messages from both campuses. There's ways for you to sign up for classes, for events, for small groups. There's events calendars so that you don't miss anything that's happening. There's even a Bible reading section where you can get daily updates on where we are reading in the Bible. Also, this app has a great new giving feature, a very sleek and efficient way to easily give anytime you like and also have reoccurring gifts. So be sure to check out our app. You can go to bayshorecc.org slash app. That's bayshorecc.org slash app. And find links to download the Bayshore Church app. All right. Good morning. We are in part three. There's a four-part series here. You're part three of um, Famous Givers. We've been talking about giving. Bruce Cooper was kind enough, one of our board members, to tell his story about giving. And uh, we think about giving uh, is we wanted to put this in the specifics, people that worship here that are givers and a part of Bayshore. So we've been looking at uh, famous givers, you know, uh, in history, famous givers at Bayshore, and then every week we're talking about famous givers in the Bible, people that were famous for giving in the Bible. And today we want to talk about the word, one of the words that often is associated with giving, and that is the word tithe. Uh, the whole idea of tithe. Where does that word come from? I don't know if you've ever thought about words, how words get started, how they get coined. Um, I was thinking about this week about different words that are part of our vocabulary in our, in our, in, in our culture, like the word nerd. Uh, that's an interesting word. Don't want to ever call anybody a nerd, but that's a word that we know. How many know what a nerd is? Uh, maybe the person next to you. you know, the nerd, you know. Uh, what is a nerd? A nerd is, is somebody, you know, we know what that is. But that word was not uh, coined until 1950 in a Dr. Seuss book. Dr. Seuss, uh, in his book, uh, If I Ran the Zoo, a guy named, in the book, uh, the, uh, the, the uh, narrator in the book is Ger- Ger- Gerald, Gerald McGraw, and uh, claims that he would collect a nurkle or a nerd and a sea sucker to uh, run his imaginary zoo. So that word nerd started in 1950. A year later, Newsweek magazine uh, said that's a slang word that was used in, in our vernacular. Uh, here's a word that we use a lot now, selfie. Selfie. How many know what a selfie is? Uh, you know, selfie pictures we take of ourselves all the time. And uh, the word selfie actually comes from, we think it, it started in Australia in 2013, and uh, that word was actually coined at a uh, kid's 21st uh, party, birthday party. He was drunk, had a picture taken of him, and uh, he called it a selfie, and uh, it became, in 2013, uh, the Oxford Dictionary Word of the Year. So the word selfie hasn't always been around, but it was coined at a certain time. Uh, other words like pandemonium. How many know what the word pandemonium is? All pandemonium set in. Pandemonium, that was a word that was used uh, by John Milton. John Milton, who wrote Paradise, uh, Paradise Lost in 1667. By the way, did you know that our little community, Milton, was named after John Milton, the, the literature person? So uh, that word was coined. A lot of words that we say or phrases that we say came from Shakespeare. We always are quoting Shakespeare. We don't know it. Like uh, a wild goose chase. 
Wild goose chase. Anybody ever use, you know, just a wild goose chase? Well, that word is, was used in Roma, Romeo and Juliet, Act 2, Scene 5. Uh, scene 4, actually. Uh, the, word, the phrase, love is blind, Shakespeare. Break the ice, need to break the ice, uh, that's Shakespeare. Heart of gold, Shakespeare. It's Greek to me. It comes from Shakespeare. Uh, lie low, good riddance. That comes from Shakespeare. And forever and a day. And seen better days. Seen better days. So uh, these are just little words that come from different, uh, different authors and all that. So when you think about the word tithe, where did that word come from? Who was the person that coined the word tithe? Where did that come from? Wasn't Moses? Moses is the lawgiver. We often think about the tithe in the law. That's sort of uh, tied to the law and all of that. But the word tithe didn't have anything to do with the law initially. It was uh, used by Abraham or Abram at the time. Uh, it was he was the first person to use the word tithe, and he coined the word. The word actually means in the Hebrew it means a tenth. It's the same word. If you look up the Hebrew, uh, where you see tenth, it's, it's the word tithe. That's what it is. So that is uh, the guy that coined it. Now here is uh, kind of the story and the context in which he coined the word, which I think is very interesting. Now, for me, this helps me to understand the whole idea of what the tithe is. Uh, Genesis 14 17 through 20. The context of this story is very important for us to understand the whole reason that tithing is even a part of, of giving, that whole idea of giving. Uh, Genesis 14, 17 through 20. Uh, here is the story. Let me read it for you. After Abraham returned from defeating Keterlamar and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet uh, him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, so when he says Abraham gave him a tenth of everything, that's the first time in the Bible ever that the word tithe is used. That was where the word was coined. So let's think about the story. Now, if I read all of chapter 14 of Genesis, very interesting story. Now, let me give you a little, little like synopsis of what happens in Genesis 14. And this will help us understand what the whole word's about, what it means. So here's, uh, here's what happens in Genesis 14. Abraham, or Abram, and his wife Sarah, Sarai, uh, at that point, is living in, in Canaan. Now, they have a nephew that they've been, they've been tagging along with them. The nephew's name is Lot. Now, Lot's a little bit of a spoiled brat. They end up splitting Abraham and Sarah, split from Lot. Lot went to live in Sodom. Uh, and you got, you got five cities around the Dead Sea. How many have ever heard of the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is sort of south of Judea. The Dead Sea uh, had five cities around that at that time. And Lot went to live in one of those cities called Sodom. Now, what's interesting about these cities is these cities, these five cities around the Dead Sea, had been subjugated or conquered by four other kings 12 years earlier. And these are kings that lived in the east. They lived um, around what is now Iraq and Iran. There was one uh, king in Iraq, which was uh, Shinar at the point, and then uh, Elazar, that was where Iraq is. And then there were a couple kings over around, uh, around what's Turkey, modern-day Turkey. These Four kings 
were strong, had great armies. They came into the area of Canaan and, and subjugated these cities. And these cities had to pay taxes or tribute every year to these, these four kings. So what happened was, after a while, they got tired of paying tribute, got tired of paying taxes, so they quit paying. So the four kings, not going to take that on the chin, they start coming down uh, to uh, you know, whip them into shape and tell them they got to pay their tribute. And on the way to the area, they're just knocking over uh, these kings. They're killing all of these kings and all these other kings that, that had nothing to do with them. And they're just like dominoes, just wiping out all these people. They finally get to Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities, and they defeat them, and they take all of their loot. They take all of their loot, and then they take nephew Lot with them into captivity. So they're in captivity with nephew Lot. And, and, uh, and so Abram hears about it. Now, Abraham could have said, you know, Lot is just a spoiled brat. He's just an idiot. You know, he's what, you know, some people call a spasm child. Simply pray and send money. You know, people like kids like that. And they're just like, but he had compassion. And Abraham takes his 318 trained men and a few other allies. And he, and he pursues Lot to try to defeat these four nations these four nations that are allied together that have defeated everybody. So Abraham goes and he travels 140 miles to a place called Laish. And in the text it's called Dan. It was called Dan later. So he travels 140 miles and he engages these kings in battle that are undefeated. And he splits his army up and he goes after them and he chases them for 100 more miles. So he goes 240 miles away from home. Now, if you are a betting person, and Abraham is going against these four kings with 318 trained men. If you're a betting person and you're betting on who's going to win that battle, who are you going to bet on? You're not going to bet on Abraham. He ragtag army. He doesn't have any equipment. He, they're not very experienced. And if you're betting, if you're like going to wager on that battle, you're not going to bet on Abraham. You're going to bet on those four kings. But Abraham goes, splits up his army, goes after these kings, and he defeats these four kings that are undefeated. He defeats them. And he gets all the loot back, gets spoiled lot, and they come back to Canaan. And when they get back to Canaan, they're coming into Canaan, and there's this, uh, this little town called Salem. And Salem later becomes Jerusalem. And Salem means, means, uh, means peace. So out of Salem comes this guy, this king of Salem. His name is Melchizedek. Melchizedek comes out and he brings out bread and wine to Abraham. And it, here's the first time the tithe is used. And Abraham gives him a tenth of his little loot. Gives him a tenth of the loot. Now, interesting about Melchizedek. Melchizedek, we don't know much about this guy. He's a mystery guy. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And he is king of Salem, so he's king of peace. He's king of righteousness, and he's king of peace. And when Jesus gives you righteousness, you have peace inside. Can you say a big amen? So he's king of righteousness, and he's king of peace, and he's bringing out bread and wine. Does that look like Easter a little bit? Does that look like 
Jesus with the disciples breaking bread and, and giving communion to the disciples. This Melchizedek, we don't know about him. We know that he didn't have a genealogy without beginning or end, the book of Hebrews says. So this guy is at least, he's at least a picture of Jesus. So Abraham is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back from a battle he should not have won. He's coming back from being involved in something in which he should have lost. And the only reason he won, the only reason he succeeded was the Lord helped him. And so the first time anybody tithed, the first time Abraham tithed, was after he won a battle that he should not have won, after he survived something he should not have survived, after he got through something he shouldn't have got through. And out of that experience, out of knowing that God helped him, he gave a tithe. He gave a tenth of the loot that he got that he wouldn't have unless God had helped him get the loot. The tenth part of the loot that he got was loot that the Lord helped him to get the loot. This is the Lord helping him. So he's tithing. He's giving, acknowledging that he would not have won the battle unless the Lord helped him. And this is what, this is what it says in, uh, in the text when Melchizedek talks to, talks to uh, Abraham or Abram. And he says in verse 9, And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abraham, Abram by Most High. The Most High God means El Elon, the highest God of all gods. How many know that the Lord we serve is it says in the book of Ephesians that his name, Jesus, the name of Jesus, is above every other name that could be named. The El Elon, the highest God, helped him. Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High. Listen to this. Who delivered your enemies into your hand. So here's what, here's what a tithe is. A tithe is, is when you acknowledge... That God helped you, and if he did not help you, you wouldn't have made it. A tithe is, and when you come from a battle that you shouldn't have won, and you come from a situation you shouldn't have survived, and you got through something you shouldn't have got through, and here you come to this place, and then you recognize that the Lord has helped you. And so when you tithe and you give to the Lord, it is the ultimate act of humility that you say, God, this was not me. God, this was not me that survived. This was not me that prospered me. It was you that helped me, and you helped me. And if you, not had, helped, if you had not helped me, I would have never made it. Here's what the tithe is. It's like the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Now, the first of the year, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. I mean, why would we believe that? That's have, never happened before, right? I mean, like, I mean, why would we think that was going to happen? And then their quarterback, their starting quarterback gets hurt. Well, you know it's over then. Then the backup quarterback. The backup quarterback leads them through the playoffs and they win the Super Bowl after a tough game playing those demon-possessed New England Patriots. (laughs) 
and they win the Super Bowl after a hard-fought, bloody, sweaty game. And they go into the locker room, and they got the champagne, and they're shaking it up, and they're spraying it on each other because they won something they shouldn't have won. And the Lord, I don't know if the Lord helped them. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he, you know, they were celebrating that they won a battle they shouldn't have won. When I tithe and Karen and I give our tithe, we're shaking the champagne and we're spraying it and we're celebrating because the Lord got us through when we shouldn't have got through. The Lord helped us when we shouldn't have got through. We survived when we shouldn't have survived. We made it when we shouldn't have made it. And the Lord helped us. The battle is the Lord's, the book of Chronicles says. And I want to tell you this morning, regardless of how smart you are and how wise you are and how well educated you are and how good your business is doing, let me tell you something. This is the word of the Lord to you. You would not prosper unless he helped you. Can you say a big amen? So... Tithing is the ultimate expression of humility. When you tithe, you say, Lord, you know that battle? I shouldn't have won that. You know, when I was laid off, I shouldn't have made it. You know, when my business went south, I shouldn't have made it. You know, when things went all squirrely and everything went wrong and it looked like I was going to lose everything, I shouldn't have made it. But I made it, and I know I made it because you helped me, and I would have never made it unless you had helped me. And I don't want to be overbearing or coercive or be too pushy, but let me just say this in humility. Let me say this. A person that doesn't tithe, it's, the, it's an expression of pride. That what I have, I have because I got it, and I got it, and the only way I got it was because I got it, and I did it completely without the Lord's help. If Abraham had been filled with pride when he got back from the battle, he'd have kept all the loot for himself, kept it in his pocket. But when he got back and he saw Melchizedek, he gave him a tenth of the loot because he knew he wouldn't have any loot unless the Lord had helped him get the loot. And Melchizedek said, it was the Lord who delivered your enemies into your hand. It was the Lord that helped you. A tithe is when somebody says, it's you, Lord, who helped me. And I'm here to tell you, I remember when I didn't look like I was going to make it. I remember when it looks like I wasn't going to have enough money. I remember when it didn't look like the church was going to make it. I remember those days. And I'm here to tell you, there is a God that's been faithful to me and a God that's been faithful to this church. And we can celebrate God's faithfulness. And when we tithe, we say, God, it's not me, it's you. Can you say a big amen? So when Karen and I came here uh, 35 uh, years ago, 35, 36 years ago, here's where we lived. This is a picture of where we lived. We lived in this mobile home here. And uh, this is the church that we're getting ready to tear down, so take a good look at that. It's going to be torn down pretty soon. Uh, and the new building wasn't here. There's the church van that I wrecked that I told you about. <laughs> and we lived in this trailer. And the parking lot wasn't paved. And we had a ball field back here. We were getting ready to have softball. And uh, so this is where Blessings Unlimited is. Now, that used to be a garage. So when we lived in this trailer, we came here and we made $150 a week. $150 a week. And we had that church van. The church let us drive around. Then Karen had a 1977 Vega, Chevrolet Vega car. And one day we're, we're eating dinner in that 
in that mobile home. And Tim's a little toddler, and Joel's a little baby. And we hear this, like, gnawing sound. Something's gnawing. We're in the kitchen. We hear this gnawing sound. So I bang on the counter, and the gnawing sound stops. And then it started again. And then after a couple of days, that gnawing kept going on. All of a sudden, it didn't go on anymore. And a rat, a rat had chewed its way into the house. A rat. So we wake up one morning, there's a big hole in the trash can where the rat has ate a hole in the trash can. Half a bar of soap was missing. I think there was a hole in the shower curtains of ratitude through that. And Karen said, I don't know where you're staying tonight, but I'm not staying here. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord bless you. But I will not be a part of this. I said, you know, the Lord said, for better, for worse, for rich or poor, what do you think? You know, we got to do this together. Anyhow, I got a rat trap, and Karen did spend that night with the kids. We put the kids in our little bedroom at the end of the trailer, and we put a piece of plywood, a piece of plywood at the door so the rat couldn't get under the door because Karen was worried about the kids, of course, and so we were worried about that. And so the first night, I didn't catch the rat. Second night, I, I caught this rat, this big rat. Wow. I said, whoo, man, I'm telling you, this is like unbelievable. $150 a week and our rats in our trailer. And you know what? I'm here to tell you that I, I live in a place where there's no rats anymore. I live in a nice house. We got two cars. I got, I got all these wonderful friends. I'm prosperous. I got this wonderful church. I got all these people. You know, most of you love me, not all of you, but most of you love me. I got this wonderful life, and the Lord's prospered me and blessed. I got all the clothes I ever want. I'm just blessed. And let me tell you something. There was a time when I made $150 a week, lived in a trailer with a rat, and I didn't think I was going to make it. But let me tell you something. When it looked like I wasn't going to make it, God helped me to make it. When nobody was in the church, God brought people to the church, and God took care of me. And so when I come, and I come to Melchizedek, and I go through the battle that I shouldn't have won, and I got loot that I shouldn't have, that I wouldn't have unless the Lord had helped me, when I give my tithe, I'm saying, God, I humble myself because I know that what I have, I have because you have helped me and you've blessed me. So we often think about tithing as being future-oriented, and I think there's, there's a point of that. You know, you know uh, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed over, and running over will be poured in your lap. All that's good. Giving, sowing seed and all that. I believe that. I don't believe what these television evangelists tell you. If you send me $100, you'll get you know, 10000 by the end of the month. I don't, believe, I don't believe that's manipulation. I don't believe that's God. I believe that's manipulation. Just turn that mess off if you see that. But what I do believe, I do believe there's a principle of sowing. But here's what I think. Originally, the tithe was not looking forward. Originally, the tithe was looking back. Originally, the tithe had to do with remembering how God had taken you through. And I'm here to tell you, there's some of you, you you've been through some stuff, and you, there was times when you didn't have anything. 
There was times when things were rough for you. When you first got married and things weren't going good and you didn't have this and you didn't have that. And here, look at you all these years later, 10, 20, 30 years later, and God's hand is on you and he's blessing you. It hasn't been without trial. It hasn't been without fire. But when you go through battles in life, sometimes there's some battles you shouldn't win, but God helps you win battles that you shouldn't have won. And when you tithe, you're celebrating that God has been faithful to you. And I just want to ask you to do this. I want to ask you right now, if you remember, how many remember some tough times that you wonder if you want to get through? Just raise your hand. Some tough times, tough times with your business, tough times with your your finances and your family. Why don't you just lift your hand right now and say this to the Lord. Say, Lord, just say it out loud. Lord, I humble myself and I recognize it wasn't me. It was you helping me. Say it again. It wasn't me. It was you helping me. You show me the the business guy that says, I'm not tithing, I'm not going to give, and I'll show you somebody that doesn't get it. I'll show you a person that's under an illusion that what they have, they have because they did their part, and it's just their thing. And I believe so much that we do our part, so much that we do our work, so much that we do our responsibility. I believe in that. If you look at the story of Abraham, he had trained servants that he was involved with. He had trained servants. He had a strategy when he went against the the kings, these uh, eastern kings. He separated his armies. There was strategy involved. But the bottom line, Melchizedek had it right. Melchizedek said, Melchizedek said this. He said, he said, it was the Lord who delivered your enemies into your hands. And you know what I think, and I'm just going to say this, and I, I, I didn't say this in the first service, and I'm even nervous saying it in this service. There's some of you here, and I just say this in humility. You just take this to see it may, maybe it's the Lord for you. I just think there's some of you God is going to just bless more and more. He wants to bless you more and more. Some of you, I think in the next five years, you're going to be on the upscale of God just blessing you in so many ways. And here's the, here's the warning ahead of that. Make sure that you don't get mixed up about where that success came from. You're on, the, you're on the precipice. You're on the verge of being blessed. And I would say, just as your pastor who loves you, and just as a guy that keeps his nose in the Bible and keeps a, a worldview about Scripture, is make sure that you remember what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy says, it's the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. It's the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. So, I want to talk to you about Skittles. Here's a picture of Skittles. Does anybody like Skittles? I mean, Skittles, like, really. Isn't that a little piece of heaven right there? So, there's this guy named Ed Young. He pastors uh, Fellowship Church in Dallas, Texas. Ed Young, he takes his uh, family to a Friday night football game. And he's uh, sitting there in the stands, and his, his little daughter, Landra, said, Daddy, I want some candy. Will you give me some money for candy? So he gives her a $5 bill. Land, Landra goes to the concession stand. She gets some Skittles, gets a little bucket of Skittles, and she comes back, and she sits next to her dad. And she says to her dad, uh, thank you for the Skittles. And her dad says, Landra, can I have some Skittles? And Landra says, no, they're my Skittles. <laughs> he said, honey, I just want a few. She said, no, they're my Skittles. 
And Ed Young says there's a couple things she doesn't understand. First thing, she, rem- she has forgotten who got her the Skittles. Secondly, she doesn't know that I have the power to take all the Skittles from her and eat the Skittles myself. <laughs> and thirdly, she doesn't know that I have the power to get up and take my credit card and buy 300 boxes of Skittles at the concession stand and I can get her enough Skittles to last her a whole year. And really what it comes down to is all of us have some Skittles. Some of us have a lot of Skittles. Some of us have a little bit of Skittles. Some of us have a moderate amount of Skittles. But everybody here has some Skittles. And every one of us, our Skittles came from our Father. And when we give a tithe, when we give a tithe to the Lord, we're just taking some of the Skittles and giving it to the one who gave us all of the Skittles. And I love, I love that principle. Because at the end of the day, any success that I have, believe me, boy, at my stage of life, I'll tell you what, it's become so evident to me. So evident to me that success and prosperity and promotion comes from the Lord. And when we walk with the Lord, we serve the Lord, and we got businesses, and some of you are really smart, and you got great degrees, and you got all this stuff, and you're smart, and you're doing so well. And let me tell you something. I know that your mind and your intuition about business is not an accident. That God has the capacity to give you what you need in order to succeed. Abraham comes from the battle. He's dirty. He's sweaty. He's got the entourage. He's got all the loot. And all the way home, 240 miles all the way back to Canaan, he's thinking about how he would not have won, how he would not have succeeded Unless El Elon, the highest God, had not helped him. And when he gives the loot, a tenth of the loot, to Melchizedek, he's giving loot that he knows he would not have unless God had blessed him and helped him. And that's what giving is giving is shaking the champagne celebrating the victory of a battle that you should not have won i want you to lift your hands to the lord right now i want you to thank the lord for blessing you thanking the lord for being with you helping you just keeping your heart humble before the lord and even those of you that are on the, the precipice, on the, on the verge of new levels of being blessed, the Lord just wants to put this in your mind, in your heart, to know that the favor and the blessing that you have comes from blessed be God most high who blessed Abram. Blessed be God who has blessed Abram. Blessed be God who has blessed you. Lord, we thank you 
for blessing this church, for blessing these husbands and wives, blessing these single folks, God, blessing these people as they work and as they minister in our community. And I pray that you'll open doors and you'll bless them and you'll prosper them so that as they go through this community that they'll have your wind at their back and they'll be blessed by you. And Lord, as we return our tithes to you, we're celebrating. We're winning and winning and winning and winning when we should lose. And we're grateful for your blessing. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. If you love the Lord, say a big amen. God bless you guys.